This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, next Wednesday on the 14th of February, Valentine's Day, RTE have to present themselves to the Public Accounts Committee for another examination of what's been happening in the national broadcaster. Public service broadcasting is very important, of course, but we are learning things about RTE that are very serious indeed. And on Monday this week, the Irish Independent wrote a very thoughtful but very troubling leading article about what RTE have been getting up to. And yesterday in the Irish Times, Fintan O'Toole wrote an even more serious piece which effectively argued uh, and very convincingly argued that if RTE are allowed to continue stonewalling and refusing to account for the scandals that have been going on in there, then our very democracy and the power of the Public Accounts Committee is at stake. To discuss this now, we're joined by Finan Sheehan, Ireland editor of independent uh, newspapers. Finan originally broke this story when it was about Ryan Tuberty and payments, irregular payments that were made to him by RTE, but it's no longer about Ryan Tuberty. In fact, this is much more serious stuff. Finan, thank you very much for joining us. The more we uh, explore what's been going on in RTE, looking backwards and learning about Dee Forbes, who was Director General for seven years, the more troubling the evidence is. We have Toy Show, the musical, and a loss of 2.2 million. But some of this stuff is really serious, and it does go back quite some way, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, the latest report that, that we got, uh, last Thursday, uh, was by McCann Fitzgerald into redundancy schemes operated, uh, in RTE. And it, it threw up a number of issues that, that were very uh, concerning, uh, around not just breaches of, of the rules internally on those redundancy schemes, but actually breaches of the law. Yeah. Uh, around the, the tax treatment of redundancy payments. And, and, and basically, both the internal rules and the tax law were, were the same. A redundancy had to be a legitimate redundancy. The role either had to be abolished or a significant saving had to be made for the organization in order for it to be a redundancy. And if that wasn't the case, people were, were, were turned down for redundancy or, or that th- those specific roles, uh, were not considered, uh, appropriate. In, in this report, we learned that there were 10, uh, redundancies granted, uh, at, at, towards the end of the last decade. That basically 
didn't count in that regard. The, the tax relief that was availed of on those redundancy payments, particularly on the statutory level where you've, you've got basically an involvement on, on the government side, uh, in that they'll, they'll, they'll help, uh, to cover part, uh, of, of the cost. Uh, they found that there were 10 cases where they weren't really redundancies. They, they didn't count under, under the, the, the rules uh, set out in in the legislation. So basically, RTE is has now had to go to the revenue commissioners and say, look, there are ten cases here. We're looking at redundancy payments involved of a quarter of a million just on the statutory side. So those are actually when you break it all down into the minutiae, those are the, the statutory redundancy payments. They're capped at certain levels at about 600 quid a week and so on and so forth. So when you break it all down, you're looking at payments that would have been quite considerable. So probably people who are either in senior roles or who were there yeah. a, a, a long time. So the revenue will now have to determine uh, if indeed tax relief should have been applied there. But the fact that RT are going with their hands up on the recommendations of, of a, a top law firm would imply that there is a, a, a problem there. So that'd be for revenue to determine. And RT have said, listen, this occurred, it shouldn't have happened, and we will now pay any tax liability that, that is uh, arising. Fine. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, there are a couple of things. Uh, first of all, many people lower down the organisation would have sought redundancies and been refused. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's very important for the morale of there's, I think, a couple of thousand people working in RTE, or so, it, it feels like that anyway, but then there is not equal treatment. And there was, there's a, a good example of it, Finan, if I can draw your attention to it. Well, I don't have to because it's in your editorial in your newspaper on Monday. It was a redundancy payment to Breda O'Keefe, who was the yeah. chief financial officer of RTE, the person in charge of these matters. And she got redundancy, although the two things that are required, as you mentioned, her role was not abolished. She was replaced and there was no saving to the organization. They are two of the things that has to come into play if you're getting this redundancy and the money that goes with it. However, and this is where the McCann Fitzgerald, as your newspaper, the Irish Independence leading article draws attention to, the report also showed that Ortiz Director of Human Resources, Emer Cusack, who is still in post, was aware of the details relating to Miss O'Keefe's redundancy long before it was finalized. She raised concerns with D. Forbes, who was the Director General, but never brought this matter to the attention of her colleagues in management, leaving the director general to her own devices. This is serious. Yeah, so this is the big one. So you've, you've got 10 cases where people, there's a question mark over whether they were done the seas or, look, it just suited both the individual and management for these people to to depart. And basically, that, that's called goodbye money, really. That, that's not really yes. a, a redundancy payment. In case number 11, and this is this the very serious one, and it is being being separated uh, by RTE from, from the rest. Fred O'Keefe, Chief Financial Officer, back in the summer of 2017. That's, that's a long time back now. Yes. She goes to D Forbes, the Director General, and says that, that she'd like to leave under her redundancy program. 
they have a meeting on September the 6th. So what was happening? How far back are we talking here? That was the weekend that uh, Galway won the All-Ireland beating Waterford first time in nearly 20-odd years. Okay, so we cast our mind back that far. Yes. And... They had a meeting on September the 6th, and they agreed that Breed O'Keefe would leave under a redundancy uh, program, which was coming up, which the two of them were were uh, putting together at that point in time. That that was that that redundancy program was advertised to staff uh, in October uh, of that year. Now, at that time, D Forbes told Imer Cusack, the director of human resources, who would obviously be heavily involved in the redundancy program, that, that Breda O'Keefe would be leaving under this redundancy program. And when she questioned, where's the saving here? Because she's going to have to be replaced. D Forbes told her, well, there will be a saving and, and that's that. And then that was basically it. It, it was discussed uh, no more. As things happened, Breed O'Keefe didn't leave immediately. Her departure was kicked on for, for quite some time. It was continually deferred at RTE's request until about the summer of 2019, when it was basically confirmed to her, yeah, you'll be, you'll be leaving, uh, next year. And at that point, D Forbes told, uh, Imer Cusack, the director of HR, to give uh, Breed O'Keefe, an offer letter of redundancy. And basically an offer letter is, is a, it's kind of a, a contract. Uh, it basically says you will be departing on such and such a date. This is the amount uh, of money that you will be getting upon your, your departure. So that, that was done on that occasion. And Breed O'Keefe returned that, signed it, and that there was now a legally binding contract. The original intention was that apparently Breed O'Keefe should be uh, re- replaced by somebody internally, thereby, uh, meaning that there would be a cost saving uh, on her salary because her, her internal replacement would, yes. would step up. That wasn't, that does never seem to have been a, a runner really. In a, in a senior role like that, you have, there are procurement rules and so on around. Uh, that role would have had to be advertised. A senior role like that would have to be advertised internally and externally. So that job was indeed advertised in the, the latter part of, of 2019. An external applicant got the job and Breed O'Keefe departs in the spring of 2020. Now, the question mark does arise. At what point did everybody realize there isn't going to be any saving here? Because she's been replaced by somebody external. Her salary was believed to have been in the region of, of 200 grand. Her replacement came in for 200 grand. So there's no saving here, uh, at all. Uh, the role is being direct, is, isn't being abolished, uh, either. So there's no reduction in, in, in headcount. It is a, a straight replacement here. So that means it's somebody leaving the company. It's not a, a redundancy, but nobody puts the hand up. The, the departure of Breed O'Keefe is announced to the rest of the executive management team in the in the summer of, of 2019. As I say, the role advertised and Breed O'Keefe departs. The first time it would appear that anybody knows on the executive management team, apart from the director general, the then chief financial officer, and the, the current uh, director of human resources themselves, who obviously all three of them were involved in the process, yes. is in... 
the Oireachtas Committee hearings last summer, where Breed O'Keefe appears before the committee. She appears to be kind of a, a straight shooter. She's giving the committee information that they weren't getting off the, the existing RTE hierarchy. And towards the end of that meeting, Senator Martin Conway is asking her about her career and her departure. And in that, she says, I departed under a voluntary redundancy program. Now, this caused no alarm at the committee because people didn't realise the significance of it, but it did for the trade unions within the organisation and other members of the senior management who raised it pretty much immediately. Uh, The following morning, there was a meeting between the the trade unions uh, and RT management at, at that time, and they brought this matter up. It was... Adrian Lynch was the person who was in charge of RTE for about a two-week period in between the departure of Dee Forbes and the formal arrival of of Kevin Backhurst. So the trade unions bring it up. Mr. Lynch asks Ms. Cusack about it. Mr. Backhurst is briefed about it. And the following week, RTE are are back in, basically, to the uh, Aroctus Committee, where this issue... Uh, has now been, a flare has gone up here from the trade unions to members of the committee. You'd want to bring this one up because there's a, there's, there's an issue here around yes. people being turned down for redundancy and yet somebody who has been directly replaced got redundancy. And Mr. Backhurst has asked about it and he says, I've seen some emails on this because I made inquiries after the last committee meeting. It was agreed between the then director general and the then CFO. And he says it was agreed between D. Forbes and Brito Keefe. Uh, he's asked, was any other third party involved? He says, there was in the processing, but not in the agreement. Uh, and, you know, he's, he's also asked, would people involved in this process not have raised the question about it? And Backer says, they may well do. And he's then asked, well, what are these questions raised? And he says, we're looking at the process and we're having a wider look at exit packages. Now, that night after that committee meeting, uh, an investigation by McCann Fitzgerald is basically announced. And now the name of the Director of Human Resources as being intricately involved in this process has emerged from from that report, not mentioned at the Oireachtas Committee. Mr. Backhurst has existed, insisted that he provided the, the committee with all of the information uh, that he could at that time. It needed to be looked into further, and therefore he raised... Uh, he. he, he he raised this idea of of holding uh, an investigation as RTE did. So we're only now, seven months later, learning the full extent uh, of this issue, the level of knowledge that there was in the organization about it, up to and including the person who is currently the Director of of Human Resources, who will be handling the, the current redundancy process and other staffing matters. Ms. Cusack, who was in place at that time and is in place at this time, was asked by McCann Fitzgerald, did you raise any concerns here? Did, did, did you bring it up with anybody? And she said it was up to the, the Forbes to bring it up with the executive management team or indeed uh, with the board. That wasn't uh, her role. She's also asked uh, about uh, the talk of a direct replacement internally. She says she is surprised to hear about that. But then... McCann Fitzgerald go back to Breed O'Keefe. And Breed O'Keefe says, no, no, I, I talked to her twice about an internal replacement. And uh, Ms. Cusack says, oh, we, we spoke in general terms uh, about that, but ultimately the job uh, had to be properly uh, advertised. That was that was merely a, a conversation about succession uh, planning. So it, it it's pretty abundantly clear here. The Director of Human Resources 
may not have struck the deal that was done between the Director General and the Chief Financial Officer, but she was certainly well aware of it for six years and nobody else on the executive management team was aware of it, uh, either at the time the deal was struck, either at the time the, the redundancy process was going through, either at the time of the announcement of the CFO's departure, the advertisement of the role, their, their replacement, or even upon D Forbes' departure from the organization a couple of years later, nobody else knew about this but the Director of Human Resources did know. And that raises very serious questions uh, for RTE in terms of the culture in the organization where an issue like this uh, arises. There is clearly a problem there, but nobody is told about it. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax. And think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Now, the question here is, the role of Director General D. Forbes. She had also been involved in the Tuberty business. She had done a deal with Noel Kelly, Ryan Tuberty's agent, and Orty refused to allow the Public Council Committee to see the minutes of that meeting, which was a secret meeting, really, attended by only one other person, a solicitor who was taking notes. Um, the stonewalling of the Public Council Committee has been a feature of this and the, the media committee uh, when RTE have gone in. And we are learning these new facts, which are very, very, they, they show, to put it mildly, irregular behavior, don't they? Yeah, there's a, there's a definite pattern there where uh, investigations are commissioned and they take quite some long period of time, 
And then we discover when that investigation comes out that actually people in the organization knew a heck of a lot more uh, than, than we were told uh, at, at the start. So fine, you, you commission your investigation because you want the full facts, but, but certainly there's an argument there, and this has been raised by, by the Labour Party TD, Alan Kelly, that why is this all taking so long to come out when the information seems to be there uh, already? We have seen basically where in the initial phase of the the Oireachtas committee hearings that it seemed that the, the then members of the management team weren't being very forthcoming. This was causing tensions uh, with with the board uh, in, played out in front of us uh, at those those committees where even the chair, Shuni Rally was being being critical. So there was a question mark uh, there of uh, like who exactly is in, in charge here and who exactly is, is across this. So we've had uh, reports now, for example, by, by Grant Thornton in the previous payments uh, to, to, to Ryan Tuberty and how they were not reflected properly uh, in the, uh, the the declaration by RT of their top 10 earners. In that case, there was an internal report already done in RT, which basically found the same thing, that this was nothing to do with, RT, with, with Ryan Tuberty, but somebody had decided to to, to represent the figures uh, in a, a different way uh, publicly. We we saw it with Toy Show the Musical, where it would appear that there, there was a, a, a basic a, a level of, of, of lack of understanding amongst the board of what exactly was going on there and an abject failure on their part to properly interrogate what yeah, was going on. Yeah, could I just ask you about that? The chair of the board was my authority. Yes, at that Throughout time. this period until 2022. And my authority is the most successful theatre producer in the history of this country. Riverdance is her creation, and is still running and still prospering. Why has she not been asked about that, for example? But I want to go back to Ian Cusack, who's still in post. She was aware of all these details regarding Breed O'Keefe's redundancy. She didn't tell her colleagues in management. So that is curious, to say the very least. But we come back in the Tuberty case to D. Forbes and a what was effectively a secret meeting. And with Breed O'Keefe's redundancy, it's also okayed by D. Forbes. Now, your piece, the article, the leading article in the Irish Independent was very forceful and very provided much information. Fintan O'Toole in the Irish Times yesterday claims, and I think his claims are sound, that D. Forbes illness, which has prevented her appearing before the Dáil committees, either the Public Council or Media Committee, has implications that reach far beyond RTE. And he points to the fact, Finon, that the Public Council Committee has compelability powers. And we do need to hear from D. Forbes, who was Director General for seven years and who appears to have been central to Breed O'Keefe's situation, uh, Ryan Tuberty's situation, and we sh- I should also say that uh, Breed O'Keefe texted Adrian Lynch during the hearings, the recent hearings, which is uh, completely improper and raised heckles on Public Council Committee. They're putting it up to the Public Council Committee, aren't they? 
Yeah, so so on on that occasion, uh, Rita O'Keefe was was seeking to clarify some answer that had been given. But I mean, the, the members of the committee said, "You said you you're, una- you're you're unavailable to attend. Yeah. And yet you're able to watch in and start sending uh, text messages to people inside inside the room." So she is she has departed from from the organisation, and now she made one appearance. Uh, that was quite dramatic in its own right, and certainly the fallout uh, from her appearance uh, has caused substantial ripple effects. The the, the Oireachtas committees may well ask her to to come back in. Uh, in terms of the Forbes, we know that there is a, a long-standing invitation now for her to participate in both the Oireachtas committees. Uh, and a number of reports that have been done. So the, over recent weeks, we've had reports by by Grant Thornton and McCann Fitzgerald into various uh, activities in RTE. And in both cases, they've said uh, D Forbes, who's obviously a central figure at the top of the organisation, has been unable to to participate because she is is unwell. So she is citing uh, medical reasons. We haven't really heard from her since since last summer. So the what what played out there was. There was a, she, her, her term in office was coming to an end. Uh, she basically left about two to three weeks early to, to, to take her annual leave. She had a going away party in a, in a nice pub in Donnybrook. And the following morning, the Grant Thornton report into the Tuberty payments arrived, uh, to the board of RTE. Later that day, they called for her to resign over it. Uh, she, she didn't respond. Uh, they suspended her the following, uh, week before the report was published. And then subsequently, uh, she resigned and issued a statement, uh, saying that, that this entire process had, had made her unwell. And that statement is basically the last that we've heard, uh, from, from the Forbes. She is citing medical reasons for not being able, uh, to attend either Rockless committees or participate in the various investigations, uh, going on. We know, for example, there are other ones going on commissioned by the government, uh, into corporate governance at, at RTE. You'd assume they will also seek to, to, to speak, uh, to her and you'd have to assume that she would be unavailable there too. So the, the question mark is, how far are the committees pushing it uh, in terms of demanding that the Forbes appear before them? Are they exercising their full powers or are they just accepting that you write to somebody and they write back to you and say, well, sorry, I'm sick. I, I can't uh, attend uh, your, your committee meetings because you say they have significant powers, but they also have to be careful with, with those powers. Uh, committees of the Oireachtas have overstepped the mark in the past uh, in terms of their, yes. their treatment of witnesses. For 10 years now, uh, Angela Kearns, who was the then head of the, the rehab group, has been seeking restitution because basically the Supreme Court, the highest court in the land, found that her rights as a citizen were breached, that the Doyle Public Accounts Committee, the all-star committee of that time, uh, broke the law, basically, and they breached her constitutional rights. And since then, she has been going through the courts in, in terms of trying to, to get restitution, and that case is still going on uh, almost a decade after her first appearance. So Rockets committees do have to be careful. There can be pushback. But the question here is, are they actually going as far as they possibly can in terms of actually 
taking their their powers of compatibility to the limit, uh, or are they just accepting that when they go to somebody and they say, "Well, look, I'm not able to to attend," that that's that. So there is a, a an issue here in that uh, if somebody is citing medical reasons, well, then that, that that's grounds to to to, to not attend. How far is, is a committee able to go in terms of saying, we want proof? Well, the, the, the question then arises about RTE and its accountability or any other public body that has to be accountable to the Public Accounts Committee, which is a very important committee, that they are entitled to either ask for a, a sick note. Yeah, They're entitled to know about this condition that D. Forbes says prevents her from providing key evidence because we're all in the same business here. This is the media business. The public is paying for RTE. There are shocking abuses. I mean, they, people will have seen the earnings of the top 10 people there. And in relation to redundancy, hundreds of people who are ordinary workers in RTE doing really good work have been refused. So th- there does appear to be an elite here. Yeah, and, and there was definitely uh, a way of, of going about business in, in RTE, which was utterly dysfunctional and didn't appear to have any regard whatsoever uh, to corporate governance. I mean, ultimately, Breed O'Keefe's uh, redundancy should not just have been brought up with the the, rema- the other members of the management within the organization out of common courtesy, there was actually a requirement that they would all collectively sign off on it. And yet that wasn't done. And yet, so you had basically a deal done between a director general and the chief financial officer, probably the two most senior people in the organization, and executed then by the director of, of human resources. And clear rule breaches uh, took place and yet there doesn't seem to have been any safety nets in place in terms of either the the, the requirement for, for items uh, of, of significant uh, payments like that to either go before the executive management committee to ensure that there was a backup uh, where conflicts of interest uh, would would arise as, as there, there clearly were here. I mean, Breed O'Keefe says, well, look, it wasn't my job to bring up my own redundancy with the executive management and McCann Fitzgerald have said it not that it was RTE's uh, problem. The board of RTE are, are yet again uh, found to be culpable here and that they don't seem to have a clue what, what was going on uh, in the organization uh, whatsoever. So there are wide-ranging implications in that you're looking at this going, well, is this the standard that's in place on state boards and semi-state companies ac- across the board? People are paying €160 Euros a year at present for a service. The service is variable, to put it mildly, and Nobody else in the media business is getting this subsidy. The least, of, isn't it true that the very least people can expect is proper behaviour? Where was the audit committee? Where was the board? Where was my authority? Where are these people? And is it good enough? I mean, Kevin Backhurst refused to the bitter end to release a note of a meeting between Ryan Tuberty's agent and D Forbes that was vital to our understanding of how that improper payment 
took place. And he was citing all kinds of high-minded stuff. But what we're seeing from the McCampus Gerald and the Grant Thornton reports is pretty grubby, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I, I, I say it myself. I think it's pretty grubby. Yeah, Fintan O'Toole raised the point that 1.3 billion in license fees were paid by ordinary people uh, during yeah. the period in which Lee Forbes was the director general of the organization. Therefore, those people, let's ignore, you know, media yeah. commentators or Oireachtas committees or politicians or anything like that, the ordinary punters who, who forked out their 160 euros, they are entitled to accountability here and they're, they're not getting it, uh, in, in any regard. And that, and that's the problem, uh, with, within RT. And it's not very convincing to say, oh, well, look, D is gone now and Breed is gone and Maya's gone and, uh, you know, there's, there's a whole host of people who have, who have left the organization now and we're turning over a, a new leaf because, A, you're looking at it going, well, hang on, five of the board members who were in place at the time of Toy Show the Musical, uh, that debacle are still sitting there. Yes. Uh, we still have people on the senior management team who were around during that period and, and involved in some of these uh, issues as well. So that's not very convincing. And B, uh, why do you think that the public should take it as a given now that things like this cannot happen again if the information does seem to be quite difficult uh, to get out of RT about what exactly went on uh, at that time. In in the in the last 24 hours, somebody has died who had a, a very clear view on, on accountability yes. in, in public life. And that was John Bruton. And 30 yes. years ago on becoming Taoiseach, at a time when the political system was being dragged uh, through the mire by, by scandals, he said the government must go about its work without excess or extravagance and as transparently as if it were working behind a pane of glass. Yes. That's 30 years ago. That's how government and governance in the public sector is supposed to work. Fast forward 30 years later, that pain at last in RTE is pretty mucky yes. at this point. There doesn't seem to be any transparency, either past, present or future. And something has to be done about it. And the Public Accounts Committee have an opportunity, don't they? They do, and and they can tread carefully, and they can they can take uh, their legal advice. They're saying that they are drawing up uh, a report uh, on on their findings and their their views uh, on on how RTE went about its its business for 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 very many years, uh, and they'll they're being they're stalled on that now because they're they're waiting to call people back in uh, to question them. But if anything, what you're seeing now is that whatever about those 24 hours worth of Oireachtas Committee hearings uh, last summer and what they ascertained then, there seem to be even more questions now. And those questions are being directed at people who are very much in charge of the organization at this point. Finan Sheen, Ireland editor of Independent Newspapers, thank you very much for joining us on the stand today. We're grateful to Finan, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat 
rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.